We're reading from Luke 2, verse 22 to verse 40. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything, according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. I spend a lot of my week on Zoom meetings. Um, we thank God for Zoom. We long for the day when we don't need to use it quite so much. And one of the meetings this past week was uh, one of the really good and useful meetings on Zoom. A group of us from the church were talking together about um, how we can help people grow as Christians 
how we can help people change to become mature in Christ and to grow in his likeness. And uh, a number of comments in that meeting really, really struck me. And I think above all others was that whenever we gather to listen to God in his word, whether on a Sunday or in a small group or one-on-one, when God's word is opened up and read and taught in the hands of the Spirit of God, it changes us. And that requires careful preparation so that it's God's voice we hear when we study a Bible passage. It's not the words of a preacher or Bible study leader that we want to hear. It is God's voice from his word. But it also requires the careful preparation of all of us who listen. We listen with our ears and we listen with our hearts. And when the Bible speaks about heart, the Bible means the very center of our being, our wills, our emotions, our affections for Jesus. And if you are a Christian, the very center of your being is indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. You are Christ's, and he is in you. And so when the Bible is carefully taught and God's voice is heard, and when that voice is heard with a changed heart, then it matures us in Christ. It renders us more and more like him. It deepens our love for one another. It enables us to deal with sin in our life. It enables us to deal with suffering in our lives. It enables us to speak the truth in love. That's one of the reasons that conversations in Zoom groups after services, which are about normal things in life because the gospel impacts all the normal things in life. But it's why these conversations are best when they are seasoned with what God has said to us. For that is what we need for life and for godliness. So, let me pray that wherever the Word of God is opened up and taught and read across the life of Chalmers, we will be careful in how we teach it and careful in how we listen and excited about being changed. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for these reminders, simple as they are, that come from conversations. And we pray that right now, whether listening to this sermon or our young people studying the Bible, that God's voice would be clearly heard, that God's Spirit would take God's Word and change us. And to that end, we pray that we would listen attentively on the edges of our seats with hearts ready to embrace that word and be changed for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, Luke's gospel. Luke writes his gospel along with his second volume, Acts, to give us certainty. Now, we have really grasped and held on to that word in such an uncertain time. And sometimes we preachers have to kind of persuade us that we are living in an uncertain time, but we really, really are. And certainty in a world of uncertainty, promises that are made and always kept, is such an encouragement. Chapters 1 and 2 focus on the birth of Jesus. Chapter 1 anticipates. Chapter 2 describes. Both chapters explain the significance. One of the wonderful things about the Word of God is that it describes what happened and explains why, or explains the significance. Now, this morning, we look at the second half of chapter 2, verses 22 to 52. That section divides in two. Eric read the first half, verses 22 to 40, and if we have time, we'll get to the second half, verses 41 to 52. We want to because there we hear the first words of Jesus. The first words recorded in Luke's gospel of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy. Now, both episodes take place in the temple in Jerusalem, which is significant. And we approach both episodes with what Luke has in mind to teach us. And what Luke has in mind to teach us is about Jesus and who he is and how we should respond. Let's consider episode one. Now, if you wanted a title for episode one, chapter two, verses 22 to 40, I'm going to pick a title based on what's new or fresh in Luke's account. In other words, what he's not majored on before. And here's the title for chapter 2, 22 to 40. Jesus is God's suffering servant. Jesus is God's suffering servant. Now, a bit of background. Verses 22 to 40 describe Jesus being brought to the temple in Jerusalem as a little baby, 40 days or thereabouts after his birth. How do we know that? Because that was the time, as Luke records, 
for the purification according to the law of Moses. The Old Testament law regarded the period immediately after childbirth as a time of uncleanness, the end of which was marked by purification. And that typically involved offering a sacrifice at the temple. Mary and Joseph were Jews. They lived according to the law of Moses. And so they came to the temple in Jerusalem, as was their custom. But there is something else going on. Luke refers to Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As Luke records, it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And that's a reference to what the Lord said to Moses immediately after the Exodus, consecrate to me all the firstborn. And the final event that led to the Exodus from Egypt was when the angel of death passed through the land of Egypt, killing the firstborn sons. And protected by the blood of the sacrificial lamb, the angel of death passed over the homes of God's people, the firstborn sons saved by the blood of the Lamb. And from that time, the firstborn son was to be dedicated to the Lord in his service. Now, we could stop there and spend 20 minutes meditating on the significance of this firstborn son being presented, being given to the Lord's service to remember the Passover in the temple. Just fast forward 21 years when Jesus would return to the temple as a man in his 30s as the Passover lamb. Now, we've come to see that key to these early chapters of Luke are what the different characters in the story say about Jesus. That's what Luke wants us to focus on. So we had the angel Gabriel in chapter 1. Then we had Mary's song. Then we had Elizabeth's words. Then Zechariah's song. Chapter 2, we looked at this last week. We had the angel's words to the shepherd and the song of the heavenly host, all building up our picture of who Jesus is, all painting brush strokes on the canvas to enrich our understanding of our Savior. And the key now is to listen to what Simeon said to God about the baby he was holding in his arms. 
And then to listen to what Simeon said to Mary about her son and about her own life. And to listen in to what Anna said. We're not told her actual words, but we are told what she said to God about Jesus and what she said to others about Jesus. Now, that's what Luke wants us to focus on. What Simeon said to God about the child he was holding, what Simeon said to Mary about her son and her life, and what Anna said to God and to those who were listening. Now, taking the two together, there are three things that they say or sung. The first two we've heard before, so I'll just mention them. The third is new and fresh, and so we dwell on that. Firstly, that Jesus is the Savior who redeems us. That is not new for readers of Luke. He will save us from our sins by redeeming us, he will pay the redemption price that secures for us the forgiveness of sins. That's the first thing they say. Second, that Jesus is the Savior for everyone who believes. Not new to readers of Luke. Both Mary and Zechariah sang about the scope of God's salvation. And last week, if you remember, the angels said to the shepherds, chapter 2, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Simeon underlines the point, Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. We've heard it before, but we hear it again because we must not fail to note the extraordinary significance of this. They're in the temple. Here is Simeon holding Jesus and recognizing that he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for Israel. Simeon holding this baby and knowing that his message must be taken to the nations of the earth, to the harvest fields of the earth. Jesus is the Savior who redeems us. Jesus is the Savior for everyone who believes. And these marvelous truths are not new for readers of Luke. And they are not new in the mind and purposes of God. What is perhaps fresh in Luke reminding us of these things is which part of the Bible Simeon has in his mind when he says these things. Simeon has in his mind the servant songs in Isaiah. We find these in Isaiah 42, 49, 50, 52, and 53. The line of prophecy that said God's people need God's servant, suffering servant. So, 
Here's what Simeon had in his mind when he speaks about how Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. For example, Isaiah 42, one of the servant songs, the first one. Let me read a couple of verses. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. Or Isaiah 49, verse 6, another servant song. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And Simeon, holding the baby Jesus in his arms, speaks or sings to the Lord about him. It is these servant songs that Simeon has in his mind. Now, foremost in Simeon's words is the point that the Lord Jesus is a light for the nations and the salvation he offers will reach the ends of the earth. But as Simeon recalls these servant songs, Luke wants to remind us that we can have certainty that Jesus is not just the light to the nations, but that God always said he would be. God promised it. Now it's happening. You can almost feel, and rightly in Simeon's heart, one more notch of certainty lodges. Yes, the God that I worship always does what he says. Whatever promise it is in God's word, and it might be Romans 8 for you at the moment in your small group, and that chapter is chock full of promises. Every single thing that is said there is true. Like nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ. Because God says it. And take heart from Simeon's heart when he realized that the baby he was holding in his arms was the light for the nations and that God had always said that in his word. Now, what is new and fresh is what Simeon says about Jesus being the suffering servant. And that is new in Luke's narrative, hinted at perhaps by the circumstances of Jesus' birth in a shelter for animals, hinted at by the fact that Jesus was laid in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn, his rejection at birth, foreshadowing his rejection in life and ultimately in his death, hinted at, but now made explicit in what 
Simeon says to Mary, Jesus' mother. And what profound words they are in verse 34. What true words they are. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In this joyful moment in the temple and when Simeon sings to God that he is holding in his arms Jesus the long-promised Savior, the light to the nations. He must have been smiling or crying or both. And now, in this moment of joy, a shadow falls, a shadow of the Savior's suffering. Simeon knew that the Savior must suffer. He knew that he would be rejected that people would believe, but that many would reject him. That Jesus would expose hearts for where they truly stand. Where did Simeon get that from? How did he know? Because God had said it. Where had God said it? all through the servant songs in Isaiah. The songs that said Jesus would be a light to the nations. Isaiah 42, 49, 50, 52, and 53. That the one who would be a light to the nations will grow up with nothing by way of form or majesty or kingly appearance that anyone should cut him a glance. Despised and rejected, a man of sorrows. Wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. When we read these words in Isaiah's servant songs, our minds go to the cross where Jesus suffered and died to redeem us, to pay the price for our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. But here is Simeon holding the baby Jesus long before his mother and others would watch him die on the cross knowing that Jesus' destiny is to go from the manger outside of the inn to the cross outside of the city. And the road that will take him there will be hard as many reject him. And that is always how God said it would be. God promised a saviour. And Luke has taken us to all the promises in the Old Testament. 
God promised a redeemer. And Luke has taken us to all of the promises in the Old Testament that we might have certainty. And God promised a suffering servant. And Luke has taken us to all the promises in the Old Testament that we might be certain that all of these things are fulfilled in Jesus and that we might be certain that the Savior we worship is both a king and a servant and a servant and a king. And that is what God said he must be. Why do people reject Jesus? Because they need to come to terms with the fact that he needed to be a suffering servant because we need the forgiveness of sins that only his substitutional sacrificial death in our place can achieve. That's why people reject Jesus. They reject him as a servant. They reject him because he came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They do not reject him as king. They reject him as a servant king. If you are not a Christian, you need to repent, to turn from self, self-reliance, self-assurance, self-confidence to Jesus and cry out to him for mercy. A gospel of repentance for the forgiveness of sins will always be opposed. Jesus will suffer. And Luke will say a lot about that. And that is what Simeon told Mary. And then he said, Mary, you will suffer. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. There will be pain for Mary, terrible pain as she watches her son die. But Luke's point is more than that. For all who follow Jesus, there will be pain. What pain? The pain of rejection when people refuse the gospel. The pain of rejection when people reject you along with the gospel. The pain of ridicule when people despise Jesus. The pain associated with the fact that when we pray for our global partners, you cannot mention their name. Why? Because in the country where they serve, the Lord Jesus is rejected. The cost of giving your life to serve Jesus. Will was encouraging us to pray 
to the Lord of the harvest, that he would send out workers into the harvest fields of the earth. That is a costly call. A sword will pierce your own soul. The pain of being on the outside, different in a culture that is indifferent or even hostile to Christians. Now, before we leave Simeon and Anna, let me say a few things about their example to us of faith. Time is against us. It always is. Let me suggest these for your reflection, perhaps personally, as you meditate on these truths, perhaps in discussion, perhaps sometime this week in a conversation. Number one, they are not young, yet used by God in his salvation purposes. God uses all sorts of people, and that includes older people. Anna is in her 90s, yet her faith is vital, alive, worshipful. Her prayer life, and God used her to speak of Jesus at this key moment in salvation history. Let me encourage those of you who are not young, that until you are with Jesus, safely home, he has work for you to do. Second, both Simeon and Anna are godly. Behind them, a long life of faithfulness, and a key feature of their godliness is their patience. They had waited all their lives for Jesus to come. They had never grown... Well, I don't think what I was going to say is correct. I was going to say they have never grown weary. I bet they had. But whatever it took, the Word of God, when they read it, it sparked again a desire to come there and wait. They had waited all their lives for God's promise to be fulfilled. And the day God kept his promise, they were ready. We are waiting for Jesus to return. Are we ready, expectant, worshipping, praying, speaking to people about Jesus like they were? That's what readiness means. Now, Simeon had been given a personal promise by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ, Jesus. God kept his promise, and Simeon held Jesus in his arms. And as he held him in his arms, he said these words. Now, there might be a danger of sentimentality here. But let's take the risk of straying onto that ground and embrace the extraordinary, moving intimacy 
as he held the Savior of humanity in his arms. Lord, he said, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. One can imagine Simeon's eyes lifted up to God and then his eyes looking at Jesus. When our eyes have been opened to see who Jesus is and trust in him as our saviour, then we can die in peace. We can die knowing we are eternally safe and secure in Jesus at peace with God, reconciled to God. You cannot die in peace apart from Jesus. You must not die apart from Jesus. But life is so fragile and so uncertain. You do not need to die apart from Jesus. You need to come to Jesus and say, Have mercy on me. Come to Jesus, Savior, Redeemer, suffering servant, and believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you have done that, then in just a moment, Embrace in your heart and sing out to, sing out, sing out physically where you are in your homes. My Jesus, my Savior. My Jesus, my Savior. With a certainty. In your heart like Simeon. That all is well. Now, we didn't get to the second half. That's for another time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these wonderful, wonderful passages in Scripture that fill our hearts, that flood our hearts with rejoicing and with reality that to have Jesus as our Savior is all things. Wonderful joy, a glorious eternity. 
but it comes with a sword that will pierce our souls. Wounds which we gladly bear. And odd in light of what Will shared earlier, and in light of what Luke will go on to see, maybe today is a day when someone is rescued, led to believe in Jesus. And when someone is called by God to go and bear the gospel of the Lord Jesus to people who have not heard. And for us all, another day, another Sunday, another sermon that changes us to be more like Jesus, my Savior, my Jesus. In his name we pray, and for his sake, amen.